Back in the day, it probably, which I had Bob Tallman on, it was cigarettes and Crown Royal loosened up his announcer's voice. I think all the greatest singers of all time, Merle Hagger and all those guys smoked for years, so maybe that's yeah. the trick. <laughs> Hey, hit that subscribe button now. You're going to like it. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. The next, My next guest is a guy that has uh, been climbing the charts um, on the country music scene. He's a good friend. And we're also using his song as our intro, which, I, Chancey, I really appreciate that, man. Chancey Williams, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, and thanks for using the song. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been awesome just to be able to kind of get that country feel, which I know you as an artist, that that's what you're all about. And we're going to get into some personal stuff here, but I want to talk about you as an artist wanting to stay with the country music roots. Yeah, for sure. It's Well, it's all I know. I just uh, try to sing about stuff that I know about, try to stay in my lane when it comes to country music. And, you know, growing up on a ranch and rodeo my whole life, I tend to sing about that stuff. Well, I but I think honestly, and the country music fan genuinely wants to hear that. I mean, and no offense to the tight, skinny jean wearing country music artists. And and again, no, no disrespect to them. Me as a country music fan would way rather hear about that type of country music. Yeah, it's for sure. You know, and like, uh, I guess there's just certain lingo that cowboys, the way we talk, how we say things and like, a lot of times I'll get pitched songs from Nashville that, you know, some great writers have wrote maybe, but they'll write a cowboy song and it like, it's just stuff we wouldn't say, you know, being right. cowboys like, well, we would never say that. So like we're all my friends and family are all in the, you know, Western way of life. It would be silly for me to sing some of those. So it's better for us to write stuff with the real cowboy lingo in it that cowboys like you or whoever's going up and down the road or ranching can, can relate to back. Like, oh yeah, man, that's, you know, that's how we say things. Well, and I think the, the fan, the non country cowboy fan, not non country, but the non country people that want to be country and want to be fans. I think they pick up on that and they're like, wait a second, that, that, that sense coming from a real cowboy. And then you hear somebody else singing something like, wait, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know? And that's what I, that's what I appreciate about it because now with your, you know, I talk about this. Actually, I haven't talked about Yellowstone in a while, which is weird because it's been such a huge you know, right. thing for the Western world. But when they hear you singing about that and seeing the Yellowstones and seeing how the Western way of life is. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, all about authenticity, you know, so people can see right, right through that stuff a lot. And I think it's guys like me and some other artists responsibility to sing the correct stuff to to show the people that aren't in the Western way of life, how it really is. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's gotta be fairly accurate as far as the stories go and, and the songs we write. So it, uh, you know, it's special to me just to be authentic because I think, like you said, with Yellowstone coming out, a lot of people in the world are striving for something authentic nowadays. They want to see yeah. behind the scenes of a rodeo cowboy or a rancher or a farmer. And so like they kind of want to see behind the curtain and it's, I guess where I grew up in, it's, I feel like it's my responsibility to sing to him that way of life. Well, and you sing to him that way, but you also have a guy that, and I know I've got to meet a, a 
a couple months ago, I guess, but Trent Wilman helping write those songs and bringing them to life. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was, it was awesome, you know, meeting up with Trent he's produced my last three records and finding somebody that, that knows the cowboy way of life or, or that knows the Western lifestyle to write with, because, you know, I mean, it's hard to explain that to say a hit songwriter in Nashville that's never been on a ranch trying to explain to them some of these moments or some of these phrasings that we use. Right. So, but a guy like Trent, you know, he's just like us. So like he can, he can do that. I've been writing with Bryce Long, who's team roped a long time. So like finding those guys to write with that are great songwriters that also know our lingo is super yeah. important. Yeah. Well, and knowing your lingo, obviously for the folks that are watching the show that don't, don't know, bronc rider cowboy grew up on a ranch you i mean you've lived the life before you even started singing about the life yeah for sure you know i mean we have a ranch in moorcroft wyoming and just grew up you know we we're riding you know horseback and we we're four and rodeoing all the way through college and out of college so like just being around the scene you know as anybody that's been in rodeo or ranch you know is just it's hard to explain to other people how it is that way of life you just kind of have to live it for a while, you know. Right, and then you could sing it and, and kind of explain it to the to the folks in in song and um, you know starting out in high school with your band is that correct? Yeah, we started out just kind of for fun, you know. We were we were I was rodeoing all these high school rodeos, and so we had this band. We just kind of started for fun, so the band would just kind of tag along to these <laughs> high school rodeos that we would set up maybe in a campground or some you know show barn somewhere and. And everybody show up, you know, we weren't very good, but it was something to do. <laughs> well, I, it obviously it's taken off. And I got to go to your concert at Billy Bob's. It was, I can't remember, it was during, I was there doing some TV stuff, but that was one of the coolest concerts that I had got to go to. And not saying that because you're a friend and, and you invited me to it, but just to see how you interacted with the fans, with the way the fans interacted with you. And I believe that was your, was that your first time playing Billy Bob's? Yep, it was our debut at Billy Bob's. You know, that's one that we've had on the list forever to play just because it's the biggest honky-tonk in the world. Anybody who's anybody's played Billy Bob's, so we're like, we really wanted to cross that one off the list. So it was, yeah, I think it was during the PBR finals. And yeah, that's, that's right. A, it's a huge room to fill. And, you know, we're not from Texas. So to to get the amount of people that came, we were super happy. You know, it was, it was a great show, a great night. And thanks for coming. Well, yeah, but one thing about that concert that I absolutely loved, you introduced your band, <clears throat> and then they came on, and and I maybe had a few Coors Lights or Coors Bucks, <laughs> I can't remember, but they came on and they played rock songs, just little bits of rock songs throughout. I, I, that was, what, a five, ten-minute session? I yeah. don't know what it was, but it I was just so intrigued, and it was absolutely amazing. The talent of just not country music, but every genre of music really yeah you know and like i've put together this band and I, I think i'm the only like real country music person in the band you know my drummer and uh both guitar players came from a rock band our bass player played in a lot of rock bands he was in a rush cover band and you know brooke she was just classically trained on the violin so really nobody grew up playing country music so i got all these kind of rockers and then brooke on classical instrument that we just play country music. So once in a while, you know, that we call it the rock out. We give those yeah. guys opportunity to kind of tear it loose. And they, they put together this medley of all these rock songs and they got, you know, a fiddle song in there. And it's, it's fun for me to leave the stage and those guys just kind of go to it. It's, 
it's just a change up from what uh, the whole show has been up until that point. Well, and, and all of the concerts that I've been to, that to me was, again, intriguing just because you you changed it up. It wasn't just, you know, your, your songs. You've got to be able to throw that together. But it got, got to let your band show off other talent other than just, you know, doing country music songs, which I thought was freaking amazing. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we, we started the band. We were just a cover band. So, we, you know, we grew up playing a lot of, you know, 80s and 90s country and then you know we'd play like 90s rock songs and older rock songs so it's fun to once in a while go back and relearn some of them songs we used to play right. back in the day and play them because that's what we kind of started doing you know and if i had done it i don't know if i would have you know that kind of gave us our foundation of fans right. that liked us as a cover band and they started buying our music that we write so it's it's been a fun journey that way anyway <clears throat> i wasn't it's not something i thought i'd ask but what does it take to you know you heard these songs growing up or you know, i could listen to the radio and sing along but to learn relearn these songs or figure them out how long does it take a person to do that well not not terribly long but you know we, we've grown as musicians so i mean the way we played songs you know 10 years ago is probably a little different than we're doing today we probably just we're playing a lot of stuff wrong and like you know dynamics so, so i mean the more you grow as a musician you go back and like, oh man, let's let's make this song sound just like the record, or or take take our own spin on it even. But right, it's a, uh, it's been fun, you know. Like I said, my whole band are, are really talented musicians, so it's nice having those guys kind of work them up and say, hey, I want to do this song, and they'll go work it up, and it's typically sounds just like the record or even our songs. You know, it's fun to make them and sound as good as possible. And sometimes we'll just even go back and relearn some stuff that we've been playing forever of our own stuff you know you kind of get in rhythm and playing it every week and go back to the album and be like oh man i think I'm playing that a little wrong so it's, right. just, it's just always trying to be really tight and really good a little tweak here a little tweak there and just yeah and and i guess the thing about and even with you rodeon and <clears throat> me rodeon you always can better yourself whether it's a, a tweak here a tweak there and if you ever get to the point which i know you know this to where you don't try to perfect yourself I think you, you're done as far as a rodeo cowboy, especially. Same, same with music. You know, every everybody we open for, like this last week, we opened for, uh, let's see, Tracy Lawrence. You know, who's one of the greatest of all time, yeah. and then Parker McCollum. So, like, I always go out and watch the shows after we're done. Just like you pick up on some things that people are doing better than you. And if, if like you said, once you get to thinking you're the best, it's probably over. So for me, I've never stopped learning. I mean, I'll go quiz the sound guys about stuff or the guitar right. tech of other bands, and like just kind of try to learn a few tricks. Cause you know, we grew up in the part of the world where there's not a music scene, you know, there wasn't a music scene in Wyoming. So we had to learn everything from scratch, which, you know, took a little longer than, than some other artists that maybe grew up in Nashville or Texas, where there's a bunch of music going on all the time. So like, right. even to this day, I go watch, whoever we open for or playing with and just try to pick up on a few tricks. Well, you got a new release just what, three days ago. Um, it ain't you. How, yeah. how are, I, I guess I wouldn't even know how to judge, but I mean, how do you, first off, congratulations on the new release because oh, thanks. I think all your stuff coming out is, is amazing, but how's it been going with, since the release? Really good. You know, we just kind of track the numbers and it's been streaming really good. And you know, it's just a fun, uh, up-tempo song that we, thought we'd put out in the summer. I think I had it recorded almost a year ago. We we're trying to find a good slot to release it. You know, nowadays with Spotify and stuff, they have this algorithm that they want you to 
try to follow. So every like six, eight weeks, put out a new single, it kind of drives that algorithm. So we're trying to stay on course with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, all these numbers and stuff that they're judging everything on in Nashville are important. But like for us, we're still kind of old school. Like we judge our stuff off live shows and how fans react live and people are paying their hard earned money as a ticket to come see you. So streaming is what it is. Once again, our part of the world, you know, Wyoming, South Dakota, Montana, there's not a lot of, not everybody streams like a Cow- majority Cowboys. of our fan base. Yeah. 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 They're like, Hey, what, can I get your CD and we, or your tape or whatever? So, I mean, a lot of times they're fans and just come to your shows. So, I mean, it's been really good, but we're trying to play the Spotify game and the algorithm and stuff. And so we're just trying to put out a song every six, eight weeks. And we got a bunch we recorded a couple of weeks ago in Nashville that'll be done here this fall. And then we'll probably track again this fall and just try to stay ahead of the game and always have a lot of songs ready to be put out. Does that, and, and I guess I don't know anything about the industry, but if you have to put them out every six to eight weeks and so you don't want to put crap out, so you have to put in the effort to make sure what you're putting out is amazing because, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you start putting out just, okay, we need to put this out and it's, you don't feel like it's a great song, but we need to fill this void. That could hurt your career more than anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you always have to have good quality and now they want quantity too. So I always go in and record a whole bunch of songs at once, you know, six or eight or 10 and, and then do that again a few months later. So I always have a good batch and you kind of sort through them. You know, sometimes you write a song, you think it's going to be awesome. By the time you record it, you're like, ah, I don't love it as much as I did. And maybe that'll just be an album track, but you know, and just, like you said, always learning, you know, I've done the last three albums with Trent and it's been great. And I wouldn't be where I am without Trent, but uh, Bryce Long, who's also a big writer in Nashville, he's producing this next batch of songs. Just to, I wanted to just change it up and see if there's a different sound out there that I'm missing or if if I can better myself some way, you never know until you try it. But these eight we did last two weeks ago in Nashville, I think are maybe the best I've ever done. So we're excited to put the vocals on them next week down there and, get them all polished up and be able to put out another batch of songs. So when you, when you do that, like you, you have to play them and then put your voice to them. How does that work? Yeah. So a lot of times, so like we track with the Nashville band. So they're pretty much everybody does. There's they're called session players. They're just Mm -hmm. studio players and then there's live players. So we'll uh, hire these session players. We'll lay down the tracks and I'll sing in the studio with them. You know, this called a scratch vocal and then they'll go through and kind of mix them up get them kind of ready and then I'll come back, you know, a couple weeks later and then spend three or four days making the vocals really good. So like right. you have to sing each song, you know, 20 times, maybe 30 times, just keep singing it over and over again until you have it just like you like it. So, you know, once you put the recording out, it's out forever. So you got to right. make sure you really like it, <laughs> you know, because even long after I'm gone, those songs will be on the internet somewhere. <laughs> so I want to make sure they're right. <laughs> That's just nuts. So 20, 30 times. Boy, you got to get a lot of throat lozenges, I bet. That's Yeah, you know, you can usually two or three a day is about all I can get through to make sure I really like and be fresh the next day. But back in the day, it probably, which I had Bob Tallman on, it was cigarettes and Crown Royal loosened up his announcer's voice. Think all the greatest singers of all time, Merle Hagger and all those guys smoked for years, so maybe that's the trick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they seem to be fairly successful though, right? Yeah. Got to ride at the daddy of them all, got to, you know, junior high school, college rodeo, professional. 
Um, take us down that path and, and some of, you know, people that you looked up to. Man, it was fun. I still miss rodeo to this day. And I think rodeo cowboys that have retired will understand too, that, you know, it's like, I think it's in your system. You, you'll never forget about it. Like, you know, I wrestled for a long time, but I don't still dream about wrestling matches. And I, you know, but I, I rodeoed and I, I still have dreams about getting on, you know, I think it's just something that's with you forever. And so it was such a fun career. You know, my parents took us to all the youth rodeos growing up, you know, four years old till we were in junior high. And, you know, we started junior high rodeo and then high school rodeo and then loved it so much. Went to Casper College on a bronc riding scholarship, rodeoed there for three years for Tom Parker and then went to University of Wyoming to finish my degree and do my fifth year and, you know, made the high school finals once in the bronc riding and almost made it the team rope. And I think we were fifth that year. And then, but my main thing, I just liked riding Bronx. Then went to college, rode Bronx, made the college finals twice, and then went for a little bit after college, you know, pro rodeo. And yeah, I loved it. I just kind of got to a point where I had to make a decision. It was really hard to do both at the same time because right. trying to be successful in rodeo, as everybody knows, takes all your time up. And if you do it, you really have to go hard and practice hard and go for it. And I think I was split my time between music and uh, rodeo, but Man, I loved riding Saddle Bronx. It was fun. And getting to ride at Cheyenne was super special. My dad won Cheyenne in 1971, won the rookie Bronx riding. So me and my brothers always wanted to be like dad, you know, and and it, it was just, I, I miss getting on, you know, I'll, I get that question a lot. Like what's more fun singing or riding Bronx and that feeling right when you crawl in the shoe right before you nod is a feeling that is second to nothing, you know, like, you can't replicate that even stepping on stage in front of 20,000 people or whatever. It's not quite the same as that adrenaline rush right before right. you nod. It's probably the same in the bulldog. And like, you don't know what's going to happen. It's an unknown thing. You know, a concert, you fairly, you know, fairly good what's going to happen uh, typically, but it's just, I think that rodeo is in your system forever. I don't think I'll ever forget it or never not think about it daily. You know, it's just, and the lifestyle's yeah. fun, which is a lot like music. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. We travel in, in buses from town to town, same as traveling in a Capri camper. Going I was going to say, your day. accommodations are a little bit different than in the Capri, but. They got they got a little better, but we, we just hired so many people, I don't think we could all fit in a Capri camper anymore. But <laughs> but you, I, uh, that might be tough on the band. They're not used to that rodeo lifestyle. They're not. You know, we've, uh, we've got a little soft in our older age of a, uh, I don't think we could go back to staying at 10 people in a motel six, but you know, it's a, uh, it's been fun, you know, and I, I, I was happy with my rodeo career, you know, just kind of wish I'd have done it harder for a couple more years. Cause you know, it's a young man's game. So knowing what I know now, maybe it would have rodeoed a couple more years and really went for it to see what, what the future held. You know, I, I don't know if I'd have done better or worse, but you know, it's, I guess those things you think about in the back of your mind that, if you're young and going for it, take it in now. Cause once you, you know, especially in the bronc riding or rough stock events and bulldogging, there's an age where your body can't right. take it as much and you're not quite as quick. You know, I was on the phone with Billy Sutton just a little while ago. We're talking about these young bronc riders. Like it, they're just so much quicker and faster and everything's moves faster and you get bucked off easier. And it's, it's definitely a young man's game, but it's, yeah. it was fun. Well, and you got to rodeo, I mean, Wyoming, South Dakota, that's 
some of the greatest bronc riders in the world you got to rodeo and compete against some of those toughs yeah you know it was it, it was fun you know my era was like you know sandy bob forbes and yeah. bryce miller and a lot, a lot of guys that had made the finals a lot and you know i remember getting into college and if you weren't in the high 70s or or mid 80s you weren't placing it was i struggled for a couple of years of my freshman sophomore year of college just because it was you know a big change it's probably like you know going from college to the pros you know and nowadays in the bronc right if you're not 90 <laughs> you're not placing it's getting pretty wild like everybody the top 50 ride that good so i'm glad i'm not riding anymore <laughs> <laughs> Well, to that point, since I've retired watching these guys bowl, now I will say I'll critique the hell out of them, you know, that right. armchair quarterback type style. But, man, it, it, you're exactly right. These guys, and I think I talk about it almost on every show, how it's went from rodeo to an actual sport, the sport of rodeo where these guys are training their bodies to be athletes, right. you know, instead of – and, you know, we talk about smoking – and drinking beer and whiskey, but these guys, they don't, they don't do that near as much. Now it's, it's more of a businessman's game. For sure. And it, and it shows, you know, you take like Casey field and those guys yeah. that have, uh, they, they train for it. They're the, you can tell the people that are winning the, are the guys training and it, but it's smart. It's no different than being a football player or right. basketball player. You know, the greatest in those fields of train all the time. So like hindsight, Maybe I should have been training a little bit more for rodeo versus like, you know, where's the closest beer stand? And more power to these guys for seeing that and taking advantage of that so they could have their body in the best shape possible to go win. And, and you're right, Casey Field, you know, watching his Instagram stories and, and all that, he, it's unbelievable the work he puts into it. And not just him. I mean, maybe not the team ropers. Anyway, but... <laughs> You know, the just the effort that they're putting in outside of the arena so they could, you know, excel inside of it. Yeah, for sure. And, and even the mental game, like I've heard Casey on a lot of podcasts. I mean, he, he's just mentally tough. Like he just knows he's going to win. I mean, yeah. granted, you don't want to ever be arrogant about it, but I try to use that in music I, when we take the stage, like stuff Casey says, like, just know you're the best, but don't act like it. Just know right. you got to tell yourself you're the best. And so, like, it's it's hard to train yourself to – to not act like it, but but just know that you're good at what you do. Because if you don't believe it, nobody's going to believe it. So uh, it's it's inspiring to see some of these rodeo cowboys are some of the best athletes in the world. You have to be great, but you got to be humble. And I can, with you saying that, you know, knowing you're the best. Every time I'd ride in the box, and it didn't matter if it was a five hundred dollar at a rodeo or the tenth round at the national finals, I would under my breath just keep repeating to myself, "I'm a winner. I'm the best. I'm a winner." Right, and it, it you you have to have that mentality. You you prove to them that you're a winner and you're the best. You don't have to say it, and if you do your job right, you don't have to speak it. You don't have to talk about it. For sure, like when I was wrestling, I had it in my mind. I was just trained that nobody could beat me. Was there people that beat me? For sure, you know. And and I had that in bronc riding in high school and college. I just I didn't think there was a horse that could buck me off. You know, I may, I may have not been eighty every time, but I just in my had had myself trained that like there's no way this horse is bucking me off was there right. horses that bucked me off for sure but like every time i nodded i had no doubt in my mind i was going to ride this i was either going to be 60 or 80 but he wasn't right. going to throw me off and i like i think back and trying to relate that to music now just knowing that like hey go out here and give the best performance ever you're you're garth brooks out here whoever you know right. go be the best but 
is there better for sure but if you got to believe it yourself i think that or or you're gonna safety up or be apprehensive about stuff you you got to really go for it mentally and and physically you know and especially in rodeo well in the rodeo world if you safety up or you're apprehensive that's that's just a that's a cause for you know disaster right there i mean you know as well as anybody you you can't back down and it's in in rodeo i would say in the bronc ride and probably the bulldogging too it's a split second thing if you save you for a split second that might cost you the whole ride or the whole run and it's it's almost subconscious in my opinion like if you're not believing it you won't save you but if if you're not really believing it there's just one tiny hiccup it's going to ruin the whole deal it, it, oh, yeah. it, things happen that fast. If you're apprehensive and you're thinking about it, you can't let that muscle memory react to the situation. For sure. <laughs> so I'm up on the spot a little bit. What, who is the best bronc rider going right now? Man, that's hard. Like, I would say I, I really like the way Stetson rides. I think he, he's typically flawless. But like I said, I was on the phone with Billy Sutton today. It's hard to find flaws in a lot of those guys. Lefties yeah. riding so tough. Q Taylor, uh, the Canadian that's living in Casper, like I picked Q to win Cheyenne yesterday and he would have, but, uh, you know, they set the arena record 92 and a half in the Bronx right. And so it's like, and, and that, that horse is so good, but it's hard to pick, you know, but I, I would say, you know, lefty rides real tough. Um, Stetson, obviously Q Taylor, I could probably just list 25 that all ride about right. the same. It's, it's it's hard to you know, it's, it's really fun watching. It's funny you mention those names and a guy that I've always thought has been impressive is Wyoming native Brody Cress. And, and forgive me for not knowing his name. I should. I don't have it in front of me. He set the arena record at Cheyenne, and this is a guy that maybe isn't as well known in the rodeo business, but when you set the record at Cheyenne, you know that you're doing it right, and there's only big things to come in your future. I know. That's the thing. And, you know, Brody rides so tough. Like, see, Brody was from Wyoming. He's a three-time state champion wrestler. Like, Brody's just an athlete. Right. It's like, you can t- – I just watch him ride. I just know he's a wrestler because he just – you know, he, he bears down. But there's just so many, you know, like Zeke, you know. Yeah. When the dust settles, when Zeke's done, he might go down in history as the best Bronco rider ever. I think somebody told me the other day he's rode every horse this year. Like, it's oh, unbelievable. Wow. Like, I don't know if that's true, but somebody's like, he's 100% for this year. I'm like – Man, and the and the caliber of horses those guys are getting on to not have been bucked off one is pretty impressive. But you know, Zeke's got several world titles under his belt, and I think uh, when the dust settles, we might look back someday and be like, he might be going down as one of the best bronc riders of all time. Well, I mean, he already is, but maybe the best. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's looking at uh, getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year, and now looking at the guys that are coming behind me that you know are going to be there. Zeke Thurston is obviously one of them. Casey Field is another right. one. And I guess growing up, I never I never thought of the Hall of Fame or even thought about, okay, who's going to go into it. But now that just getting put in, I, I can look back and say, these guys all are going to be there eventually. Right. And being able to look at their career now and what it was, is it's pretty cool. Just, I guess, the hindsight uh, or retrospect of, of being put in now you know yeah you can see the future hall of famers that are going today you're like that guy's been the hall of fame today it's pretty neat to to know him and see him perform you know it's rodeo such cool sport you know and it's uh there again in music i i want to tell that story to the rest of the world that right. don't that don't know rodeo like 
go see some rodeos, go see some future Hall of Famers because like it's a it's an unbelievable sport. Uh, it's such a big family. Everybody in the rodeo world knows everybody, and it's just it's I, I'm so fortunate that I got to grow up ranching and rodeoing, and still be able to be in that circle of rodeo people playing music. You know, we get to play all these rodeos, so I get to see Zeke and Stetson and all the boys at every rodeo we play. So that's special to me that I'm still kind of rodeo and I just don't have to get on anymore, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't hurt near as bad, I guess, right? Well, sometimes we wake up feeling that way in music, but it's from not from getting on bucking horses. That's the crown royal, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, did I rolled my ankle last night. Huh. <laughs> so I want to transition now into, I, and you're an independent artist, correct? You don't have a big company representing you or anything like that, because with that, with that comes, I guess you not being able to do the music, play the music. Yeah. So the, the music business is crazy. <laughs> the longer I've been in it, the the more I learned about it, you know, we just started out playing cause we enjoyed playing it and we still enjoy playing. That's why we're still doing it, but it, it's a tough old deal. So we've always been independent. You know, I have seven albums out of my own and got an eighth almost in the can ready to put out, but We've never been signed to a major deal and the way the world has changed over the years you know used to record deals would sell records that's how they made money but now with the streaming and stuff basically a record deal for us nowadays would look at if they can get us national radio and so i mean you know there's x amount of hours in a day so there's x amount of songs that can be played in a day so all these record labels are fighting for slots of whose songs on the radio so i mean if if we can be guaranteed you know, a hit song on radio, we would look at signing with a record label. But, you know, we've already got a successful touring business. We put out our own records. So all that's working. You know, I have 13 guys that work for me. So, I mean, we have a successful business model going. Do we want to go to the next level? For sure. But also not going to sign away my life and everything that we've done up to this point just to have a record deal. I mean, if they could guarantee right. me national radio sure but that's all money man i mean these record labels are there's things that go on in the music business to get on radio so i mean there's labels and stuff that you know there's chain exchanges of money that i think help you get on radio and you know what being on labels probably what you need to do but you know we've always wanted to have our best foot forward so always want to have the good music ready. So this next batch of eight, maybe there's something in there that does play on radio, you know, so we'll see. I just don't know, but it's been nice doing it our way. We've kind of done it the opposite way of some other artists that maybe move to Nashville and hack it out for eight or 10 years and get a record deal and start from scratch. We kind of did, did it the opposite way of say like Chris Ledoux did it. You go out and you uh, build a fan base and you just keep playing as much as possible get fans one fan at a time and those fans will follow you around forever you know our fan base is the reason we're where we're at today is just because like they'll drive eight hours to come see us we already have that established all we need if if we needed to to merge something with some nashville stuff at this point we probably would if if it was right for the business you know but also not going to give up half or three quarters of everything we make just to have a record deal you know i mean we're uh we're getting lots of days and we're on records and we're streaming. So, I mean, it's, it's been good, but not gonna, not gonna sell out, I guess. Well, and I think, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe it was you or it might've been Jenna Paulette or I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but 
the the record companies own a lot of the, the, the radio stations. I mean, is that right? So if you don't sign with this record company, you won't be able to be put on radio over here. And and that's where I guess you kind of get hamstrung. It is true. I mean, I don't know if the record labels directly own the radio stations. I don't think they do, but they definitely control what's on there. So, I mean, there's right. there's behind the scenes stuff that takes place that, you know, saying, hey, man, if you play Chansey stuff five times a day, you know, we'll help you out over here. We'll get you, you know, right. some backstage pass with Taylor Swift. I mean, there's, it's a, it's the good old boy club, I think, in Nashville a lot. And you're just trying to be a part of that enough to where you're not, they don't own you, you know. So, I mean, we, we have a lot of good things going in Nashville. You know, we're our booking agents, WME, which is William Morris Endeavor, and they're the biggest booking agent in the world. So, I mean, they're on our team. we got a few other people on our team in Nashville that there's some things coming, I think, that we're excited about and just keep building it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're excited to know that we did it our way. And right. did it take a little longer, a little harder, sure, but I feel like it means more to us. You know, we've never really had anybody just throw us a bone to make things work easy. So it don't matter what it is. It's kind of always been uphill for us. But at the end of the day, we can look back like, well, we did, did everything we thought would work and it worked or it didn't. Either way, we just knew we did it our way and we didn't have to answer to anybody. And we have true fans out there that we didn't just get famous on TikTok and all of a sudden have all these fans. We have real fans that like us for who we are. And that means more to me than anything. When you stayed to your roots, you stayed, you know, authentic to the Western culture, the Western way of life. Me as a, a cowboy a rancher appreciates that more so than than people know or, or you guys know that what you're doing for the industry. And that, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I just want to be known, remembered for like, you know, staying to who I was and not being a yeah. something I wasn't. You know, there's I think there's a lot of artists out there. You know, it, it had been easy over the last few years. You know, there's a 10 year span there of like music like Florida Georgia Line, and that was really good for them. They made a lot of money or, or people like that. That just wasn't us. Like, I sound like this. I sing this way. And we just kind of stuck to our guns. And uh, it, I think the cream rises to the top at the end of the day. You know, want to be remembered as, you know, an authentic cowboy from Wyoming that represented his state and, and the, the cowboy way of life the right way, you know. And so, like, yeah. if we go play somewhere in California, we're, you know, in the city or something, I want to be known as, like, authentic, genuine cowboy. And that's all I am. So I don't have yeah. to fake it. You know, I always tell people, I don't sing about stuff I don't know about. I'm not going to write a song about NASCAR. And I, I don't know anything about it. People would see right, right through it. So once again, just being authentic and, you know, just trying to represent Cowboys in the state of Wyoming the best way we can is is my goal. One of your songs, Fast in Town, that song had a, so much meaning for me because it, the way you sing, the way you talk about it, yeah, me and Trent were sitting around talking about it. We were actually talking about what we were about the bronc riding being so deep. And I said, you know what? It don't matter if the number 50 guy or the number two guy, whoever's in first, somebody's always gunning for him. I was like, oh, you yeah. know, if, and it, we kind of wrote it about Stetson, you know, I mean, everybody loves Stetson. He's such an athlete, but he's got that one on his back number. And if you're number two or number 50 or number 100, you're always shooting for the first, the guy in first. And we're like, so we kind of spun it as kind of an old West, you know, back if yeah. you're the fastest gun in town, you know, if somebody's always going to come shooting at you. So like, and the, it worked out good. You know, the back number is kind of like a target, but 
it's just the way it is. It, it's competition. You know, if you're the best football player, if you're whoever's the Patriots or whatever back in the day, somebody's always trying to beat you. And yeah. so it was, it was turned out to be a fun rodeo song. You know, it fits both ends of the arena. Yeah. And so it's, you know, when you nod your head, if you're number one, somebody's gunning for you. <laughs> They're always gunning for you. And that's what I, I've always talked to people about. You know, they said, you know, after you won your world championship, how did you stay fired up to try to go win another one and keep motivated? I said, because when they gave you that buckle yeah, after the 10th go round, you started back at zero, just like everybody else that, yep. that, was, that bought their card uh that had that same goal so to to maintain that i had to go out and try to prove to myself and everybody else that i was the best without even what i just won i mean that was great i'd won that it was awesome but it didn't matter once once the new year started and and that's the way you got to think of it you know you can't just be like well i did it if you want to keep being successful you got to go for it i remember i won state and wrestling my junior year and i came back my senior just a little cocky <laughs> Maybe thought I was better than I was. I mean, first tournament, I, this kid from Buffalo, South Dakota, pinned me faster than I, I didn't even know what happened. I was like, wow, best thing that ever happened to me. I bared down the rest of the year. I was like, okay, I got to start over. Nobody cares that you won state last year. That's over. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember getting pinned so fast. I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like, well, <laughs> looks like I better <laughs> step up and uh, learn how to wrestle again. Yeah, my eye opener was in 04. I won my first gold buckle, and then – I don't know that I had to the spring. So when Denver started all the way to maybe Oakdale in April, so January to April, I don't know that I had $5,000 won in the world standings. And, yeah. you know, at that time, I won the world. I was kind of walking around like, yeah, they don't yeah. give you shit. You no, have to. They don't it, care. You no, know, they don't. It doesn't matter. And from that point on, fortunately, the spring, which was you know, home circuit, California, which I'd had a lot of success. I had to sit down and and have a good sit down talk to to myself like okay how did I get to where I won a world championship now I'm not even in the top fifty uh, right for the next year you know you have to in that from that point on it was you know it didn't matter who you were how much you won you better go do your best every steer you run and for me I think that helped me become as successful as as I was just knowing that you you can't take anything for granted you got to earn no work. it starts over and you know everybody's gunning for you, you know, it's like, well, so you got to bear down. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a couple of the other songs that I, and obviously everybody and I really enjoy is in the world needs more Cowboys because that is the state of where we're at now. I mean, that song rings true so much and people are seeing that the cowboy way of life is genuine. It's true. And people appreciate that. Well, like we wrote that before COVID, you know, and, uh, me and Trent and, uh, it just, it's more true after the way the world has been yeah. the last few years, you know, it's like standing up for people, you know, and be a cowboy and stand up for what's wrong. And like, you know, stop, stop letting people push people around and you don't necessarily have to be a cowboy or wear a cowboy hat for that song to ring true. It's just, it's just the, the way of life, the Cowboys lead. Like if the world had more people like us that, you know, do stand up for what's wrong and like do speak up when it's wrong that's what that song's about. It's not necessarily about just being a cowboy or a cowgirl. It's, it's a, uh, that way of life that we lead that like always trying to do the right thing and help other people out and not being, not getting wrapped up in this crazy world we live in where it's just unbelievable. Like, you know, just knowing right from right and wrong from wrong. So that's, that's one of my favorite songs we've ever wrote. And it, it works well. It gets played at a lot of rodeos, which we're 
super excited about. Right. Well, and then come to rodeo time. And I know we've talked about <clears throat> that rodeo kind of being an, an intro to the rodeo or, you know, leading up to the rodeo and how much effort you put into that song for that reason. Yeah, we wrote that. You know, I was telling Trent one day, I was like, you know, world needs more cowboys and fastest gun. And some of these songs have been real successful at rodeos. And for us, it's almost like getting radio plays. I mean, they play it at Cheyenne in front of 20,000 people a couple times a day. It's yeah. like, you know, 40,000 people hearing it. So, like, I was like, we need to have just, let's just write a really up tempo opener, like the hot song or whatever they call them. And, like, yeah, let's make it like kind of like a rock song because that's, you got to get people excited at the intros of rodeo. And, you know, I was like, it's what when the rodeo starts, it's rodeo time. So, it's like, all right. So, we made it kind of <laughs> like an 80s rock song. It's just, and it's a, uh, we haven't even worked it up live yet. I just kind of put it out. I was like, I'm, so I, as soon as it was out, I sent it to a few of the music directors and said, hey, see what you think. If you like it, play it. And it's been getting a lot of traction as the opening song, and that's what we wrote it for. Well, I mean, even for even for the podcast, it, it you know, it rings true to what I'm trying to bring. You know, it's time to be excited, time to listen to these stories of all these guys. And and I appreciate, you know, like I said, you letting us use, use your music to to do that because one thing about it is if you can get people excited through a song, you got them hooked for the rest of their, you know, for the rest of the time. Yeah. And that, well, I appreciate you using it. It's a, it's a fun one. And yeah, just, we put it on the new record. And thank you for coming on. I know we tried it once and, and had a little I don't, technical difficulty, but thanks for coming on again. And, and I honestly feel like you coming on this time was better for me because getting to know you and, and now, obviously considering you a friend and a fan, you know, it, it just made it so much, so much better. And rodeo guys, rodeo's entertainment, you know, TV's entertainment music. So we're, we're all in the entertainment business. So it's, it's fun to, fun to interact with. I see Flint once in a while and, you know, everybody's that's been in rodeo, they're entertainers just like we are on stage or you are now on TV. So it's, it's fun to, to bridge that gap to the rest of the world to show them what Cowboys are about. That's it, man. Well, Good luck to you, and uh, we'll have to check again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Luke. Thanks for everything. You bet. Thanks, Chancey. And con congrats on the Hall of Fame. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, that was That's still awesome. kind of unbelievable. I, I actually, I liked Dude, <laughs> That's awesome. It's unbelievable. It's... Who'd have thought? Did you ever dream about when you were a little kid being in the Hall of Fame? No, I never thought about being in the Hall. I always thought it was always about winning for me, you know, go out and try to win most I can the best I could. And, um, you know, when I got the call, I was like, damn, I'm pretty young to, to have this honor bestowed That's on me. So neat. yeah, it's very cool, but I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's dang sure did one hell of a ride. That's amazing. Well, congratulations again. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Chancey. <laughs>